I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hello, kids. This is Risk, the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and every Thursday we release these special episodes where we look back at content from our earlier years. Every other Thursday we feature just one classic story from the vaults. We ask that you keep the historical context in mind. Today, in 2021, there's a different consciousness. We've always asked storytellers to speak in as unfiltered a way as possible, and yet to tell their stories with as much compassion as possible. Even so, I'm sure the storytellers and the host might have worded some of what they said on these old episodes differently if they'd been recorded more recently. As always, the title of the whole series, Risk, is itself a content warning. This week, a story that Tyler Phillips first shared on the podcast in May of 2014. Here's Tyler now with a story we call 1210 Zuber Street. I have a recurring nightmare about delivering pizzas. It's late at night, it's really hot outside, and I have this, I have this really bad feeling in my gut that something terrible is about to happen. And before I started having this dream, I actually did deliver pizzas. It's the summer of 2011, and I was about to graduate from Auburn University, and I took this job delivering pizzas in Opelika, Alabama, which is the town over, and I, I had this nervous feeling about delivering pizzas. And I'm, I'm kind of a nervous person anyway, um, but I had this, this bad feeling because, you know, sometimes you have to go to areas that are not that great, and you have to deal with kind of sketchy people. I delivered to a guy one time who didn't bother to take his crack pipe off the table where he had his pizza money. <laughs> but I, I'm always kind of nervous, and I've been that way since I was a little kid, and, and I don't want to let fear cripple me. So I try to push myself. So I take this job, and 
I was only about a month away from graduating from college, and I, I'd recently broken up with my childhood sweetheart, Charity. Um, we'd broken up, and so I was in this like weird transitional period. And on July 11th, 2011, I did not want to go to work. I had this really bad feeling that something bad was going to happen when I went to work. And I'm looking at myself in the mirror, and I'm thinking, just go. You're, you're just being a baby. You get these bad feelings all the time, and nothing ever happens. Just go. Just go to work. And I get to work, and my fears are quickly validated. We're super busy, and on one of my early deliveries, I rear-end a lady. I hit her car, and luckily, there was no damage done or anything like that. And so she didn't want to file a police report. So I get in the car, and my heart rate's going down. I think, I'm okay. I had this bad thing happen. Nothing bad came of it. Dinner rush is going to be over within an hour. I just got to make it through the day. You're on easy street now. About 8 o'clock that night, I get a uh, phone call. And it's very weird. But you meet a lot of weird people delivering pizzas. Um, like this guy, Mr. James. When I delivered to Mr. James, he's probably 70, 75 years old. And when he answers the door, he looks like he's cosplaying as Tom Cruise in Risky Business. <laughs> he's wearing tube socks, and he's got on a dress shirt that's way too big for him, and he's not wearing pants. I, I hope he's wearing underwear. I can't tell. His shirt's too long. And he shuffles to the door, and he answers the door. Anchovies. <laughs> Excuse me? Do you know what anchovies are? Well, yes, sir, but we don't get many requests for anchovies, so we actually don't have those as a, as a topping for a pizza. <sighs> I weep for you. <laughs> so he gives me the money, and he takes the pizza. So I get this call about 8 o'clock at night, and it's very weird. The guy says, hello, yes, my name is William Edward Johnson. I live at 1210 Zuber Street. It's a red house with a porch, and I'd like two pizzas. I'd like pepperoni and... Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up just a second. You're going a little fast, and I'm like, why is this guy telling me about where he lives, and he's telling me his name? This is so odd. And I was like, Zuber Street? Is that even, is that even a real street? I don't, I've never heard of this place. I was like, how do you, how do you spell that? Z-U-B-E-R. It's like, okay, and... I look on the map, and, and sure enough, it's a real place. And so I take his order, and it's, it's kind of a large order. And I get off the phone with him, and I, I try to put the order through, and it won't go. And I look, and there's no phone number. And I think, Jesus Christ, did, did I delete the number? Like, the number goes into the computer automatically. And so I look at the caller ID on the phone next to me, and it's a blocked number. I think this is very odd. So I asked my manager, like, what do, we, what do we do in this situation? I can't put the order through. I can't call him back. He says, well, you know, he'll get upset that he hasn't received his food. He will call back and complain. We'll give him something for free. And you'll take the delivery. I'm like, okay. So I go out and I do a few more deliveries. And, and the whole time I'm doing it, I just, I just have this sick feeling. And it's way worse than before I went to work that day. There's, there's something that doesn't feel right about that order. And I think... Please, please, Super Street, do not call back. Please. And I'm not even listening to music. I'm just driving around, and I'm, I'm thinking, please don't call back. And I get back to 
the store, and, and sure enough, there's the 1210 Zebra Street order waiting on me. So I go there, and Zebra Street is really short. It's only about 500 yards long, and there are only two houses on the street. And there's a blue house on the left, and there's a red house on the right with a porch, just like the guy said. And then the road splits out into two separate roads right there where the two houses are. And I, I pull up, and there are two black kids sitting on the stoop. And I get out of the car, and it, it's hot. It's one of those Alabama nights. It's sticky. And it's hard to breathe. And I see the two kids, and they stand up. How y'all doing tonight? And they don't say anything. And they just start walking towards me. But much like meeting weird people, you meet a lot of rude people, too, delivering pizzas. So I walk around to the passenger side of the car, and I open up the door, and I, I reach inside to pull out their two two-liter drinks. And I turn around, and I go to hand it to the kid closest to me. And he's a tall black kid, and he's got kind of a mean mug on his face. And I go to hand him the drinks, and instead of taking the drinks from me, he reaches into the back waistband of his cargo shorts, and he pulls out a 9 millimeter pistol, and he sticks it in my face. And I don't know if you can tell by my voice, I grew up around guns, surprise, surprise. And I can tell that this is a real gun. And not only can I tell that it's a real gun, the gun has a, a weight to it. And the way he's holding it, and I can feel the weight of it. And I think this gun is not only real, it is loaded. And I think, you are going to die. Because is the safety on that thing? If the safety's not on that thing, it probably has a hair trigger and his finger may slip. And if his finger slips, it doesn't matter what kind of ammunition he has in it from this range, you are going to die. And he says, give me everything. And I think, just stay calm. Just give him whatever he wants. He just wants the pizza and the money. And so I start to narrate all of my motions aloud. So I say, there are your drinks. And I sit them down. And I turn to get the pizza, and I remember this television program I saw about thrill killings, about these teenagers who will lure someone out somewhere, and they'll kill them just to know what it feels like to kill somebody. And I think, what if it's that? What if these kids are just going to take all this stuff, and then they're just going to shoot me in the head, and I'm going to die for $35.04 worth of pizza? And even if he's not going to just shoot me in the head, maybe he's nervous, and maybe the safety's not on that gun, and he's going to pull the trigger accidentally. And from this distance, it, you are going to die. It's going to kill you. I go, there's the food. I put the food down on the ground. And I go to reach into my left pocket to pull out my bank to make change for pizzas. And I go to hand it to him, and he's breathing heavy. And I think, why is he breathing heavy? Is, is he breathing heavy because it's, it's hot and it's hard to breathe and I'm having a hard time breathing? Or is he breathing heavy because he's nervous? And if he's nervous, the safety may not be on that gun, and he may accidentally pull the trigger, and he will blow your head off. Or maybe it's something else. Maybe, maybe he's breathing heavy because he's getting a kick out of this. Maybe this is a thrill killing, and he's going to know what it's like to kill someone in just a minute, and he's so excited, and he almost can't contain it, and he knows that he has me in a bad spot. I give him my money. I reach back to give him my wallet, and I start to hand it to him, and I think, the fuck does this kid need with my license? Why does this kid need my ID? And if he takes my ID, I'm just going to have to drive three and a half hours north to go home to North Alabama, and I'm going to have to go to the DMV, and I'm going to have to get it replaced. And in that three-hour drive home, I may get pulled over by a cop, and the cop's going to want to know why I don't have a driver's license, and I'm going to have to explain to him that this kid took my license, and he didn't really need my license. And I say, can I get my license out? And he looks at me, and he says, yeah. 
So my hand's shaking, and I pull my license out, and I hand him my wallet. And he goes, you got a cell phone? And for the first time, I hear panic and fear in my voice, and it's terrifying because I can't control it. And I say, no, no, man. That's everything I have. They don't allow us to carry cell phones. You can check my pockets. I'd hidden my cell phone in the console of the car. And he goes, go to the back of the car and lay down. And don't get up till I say you can. So for the first time, I have to actually turn my back to this kid. And I think, run. Just run out into the dark. Because here's when he's going to shoot you. He's just telling you to turn around so he doesn't have to look you in the eye when he's killing you. And even if he's not planning on killing you, the safety may be off on that gun. And from this distance, he is most definitely going to blow your head off. But I think, no, you've been calm up until this point, and it's gotten you this far. So just just go lay down. So I walk to the back of the car, and I go to lay down on the hot pavement where it's soaked up the sun all day. And I lay down in such a way where I can see their feet. And I think if either one of them takes even a step towards me, I'm bolting. I'm just going to run out into the dark because I'm not going to die on my belly for $35.04 worth of pizza. And I see their feet shuffling around and I watch their sweaty legs and I don't know if they're gathering up the pizza or they're counting the money or they're going through my wallet. I don't really know what they're doing. And then the kid says something that I will never ever forget until the day I die. That's what you get for being late, motherfucker. (laughs) And they run. And I watch their feet. And when they get to the split, they take a left. And I I actually lay there for probably 10 seconds because I kept expecting to hear, okay, it's okay to get up now. (laughs) Of course, that didn't happen. And so I think as quickly and as low to the ground as you can, you're going to get in your car and you're going to take a right. That way you don't have to see them anymore and you call 911. So that's what I do. I get up and I'm panicking. I'm freaking out. I call 911. And the lady, the dispatcher, tells me, sir, I need you to calm down and I need you to pull over. And I go, no, I'm not going to pull over. And I'm sorry that I'm not calm right now. I'm just freaking out. I just got robbed at gunpoint and it's dark and I want to get somewhere where there's light. And I'm going to drive to where there's light. And she goes, sir, I need you to pull over. And I go, I'm not going to pull over. I'm going to go to where there's light. I can see light ahead. And I pull up and I see the place of light and it's a funeral home. (laughs) So park in the funeral home and a patrol officer comes to pick me up and he's asking me questions and I say can I call my mom he says yeah yeah call your mom so I call my mom back in North Alabama and I tell her what's happened and of course she's a worrywart like me she starts freaking out I tell her don't worry I'm fine this is my last pizza delivery I'm not gonna deliver any more pizzas don't worry about me the next day she got my graduation invitations in the mail So I have this recurring dream about it, and it's late at night, and it's hot, and I have this bad feeling that something terrible is going to happen, and the kid just shoots me in the face, and I see it from outside my body, and it doesn't look cinematic or interesting or cool. It just looks like my head exploding and springing leaks all at the same time, and then I'm in my body again. And I watch their feet run away, and I see the blood coming out of my head onto the pavement, and I think, why am I not dead? 
Why am I still conscious right now? And I think, oh, you still have blood in your brain. And when the blood's gone from your brain, you will die. But then patrol officers show up. And I, I realize that this is, this is not going to stop. And they close my eyes, but I can still see everything from the perspective of my dead body. And I watch my parents identify my body. I feel all the cuts as they're harvesting my organs for donation. I feel the embalming fluid going through my veins. And I listen to my own funeral. And I hear my mom tell someone about the graduation invitations. And I keep hearing people say, why, why, why did this have to happen? It's so dumb. It's so dumb. There's no reason for this. And then they close the casket. It's darkness. And I think about that this is probably what hell is. Because all I can think about are my mistakes and my sins. I think about my mom, my dad, my younger sister Marley. I think about Charity, who's this big part of my life, and I hadn't even talked to her for two months before this. I thought about other girls that I had feelings for in my formative years. I thought about Allie in middle school and, and my friend Laura, who I had a crush on. And I think about how only the people who are arrogant enough to believe in the afterlife are the ones who are punished by it. And I think being an insignificant blip in the expanse of time followed by complete darkness, sleep, nothingness would be better than this and I wake up and I'm, I'm, I'm panting and I'm crying and, and one time I woke up screaming. And I, th- I think about it a lot, what people are saying at the funeral. They're saying, why, why? It's, it's so dumb. This, this didn't have to happen. And I want to sit up in the casket and say, because it does. Just because it does. It's nobody's fault. It's no reason to blame anybody. It's just people die for insignificant reasons all the time. Why, why should I die for $35.04 worth of pizza? Why shouldn't I? I could have, but I'm glad that I didn't. Thank you. That's all for this week's Classic Risk Singles episode. Now, don't miss out on our regular full-length episodes. There's a brand new one every Tuesday. And everything you might want to know about us is at risk-show.com. Dot com.